chapter 2 and verse number 7. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Who's running the store? Let me just, let me make another note of this. And all the parents, if you'll look at me just a minute, I'll, as a pastor, I love you. Boy, my, my, I got a, my heart is a pastor. Love your children. I love our young people in here. I, I, you say, preacher, what's, what's the big deal about teaching our young people to be respectful to authorities? Every young lady is going to come under the authority of a husband one day. They can't come under the authority of a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if the class is for, for five minutes or two hours. They're going to struggle coming under the authority of a husband one day. Truth of the matter is, we're all under authority of somebody. Amen. And if you can teach them now to learn to come under the authority of others in whatever area of judgment they may take, it, it'll change your life. If you can't, if you can't, if they don't learn to come under the authority of other people's judgments, other people's judgments, then they're going to struggle coming under the authority of others when they get out in this world on their own. I mean, that right there is what you come to church this morning. Amen. Who's running the store? I won't be bombastic. My voice is is it comes and goes and and it's it's pretty good right now. May not even be may not have a voice by the time I get done. It's been unbelievable. But God be the glory, whatever he wants done, it's his business. So this morning I'm not gonna be bombastic, but I do want to be deliberate. As a society, we're ever searching to find ways to motivate or plead and even force people to do right. We tried laws to govern right behavior. In 2004, 2.1 million people in the United States and local state and federal, were in local state and federal prisons. From 1980 to 2008, we incarcerated 2.3 million people trying to get them to do right. The United States of America, we have 5% of the population, but we have 25% of the people in prisons. Is that unbelievable? And crime continues to climb. Parents killing children. A woman ran a car in an ocean with three kids and thank God some people were there to save them from drowning. Just last week, a, they searched a woman's home and found six newborns she had killed and boxed in the basement. Then it gets worse. Kids killing kids have become unbelievably commonplace in the news. So it's very evident what we're doing is not working. More laws is not the answer. As much as I'd like to, becoming a monk's not the answer either. Amen. Please, 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 please get this. Changing geography has never been the answer and never will be. But God has given us an answer. 
And somehow or another, we've just got to get back to his management plan or his model. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Just one verse, so let's, let's read it together. All right, ready? And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Let's go to the throne of grace. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask Elijah to pray today. Amen. Amen. God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And God made man a three-part being. Well, I tell you, me and this thing ain't going to get along. Well, no. Devil ain't getting this message, no matter what. God made man in his original creation. The Bible says, and God formed man out of the dust of the earth. God made him a body. That is what you look and you see around us here this morning. And in that body, God breathed into him the Spirit of God. Anytime you see that word of Spirit, it has the ideal of God breathed. It has the ideal that the Spirit of God was placed into that man. That word form has the idea of squeezing into shape like a, like someone would, would, would shape a piece of pottery. Jeremiah said it this way, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter saith the Lord? Because it's clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. When we begin to study the body, it is a, it is a, it is an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, the complexity of just our body it is uh, tells us there's a, de- a master designer behind it all. Now, let me just give you just one one little thought: a piece of skin the size of a stamp uh, that you put on a letter has three million cells, one yard of blood vessels, four yards of nerves, one hundred sweat glands. 15 oil glands and 25 nerve endings in the size of a stamp. Sunday said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right away. How fearfully and wonderfully made God made us. So God formed us a body. Second, He breathed in that body the breath of life. Anytime you see God breathed 
It has the idea of Holy Ghost life, Holy Ghost power, Holy Spirit power. And man in his original creation, the Spirit of the living God was breathed into him and he became a living soul. And it is in that soul that we find our mind, our will, our emotions. It is what you think, it's what you feel, it is where you make your choices with. When we begin to understand how, how marvelous we're being made, we must also understand God just didn't make us pitch us out here to root hog or die. He put us out here with a plan in mind of how man's life should be lived. I'm so thrilled He didn't leave it to mankind. But He did give man a choice. And we find that in that original creation, God gives man a choice. So man becomes a body, a soul, and a spirit. And it is this three-part being that God chose to use to communicate with man. And it was such a wonderful plan. As we begin to understand these positions of these different parts, we've allowed the world, we've allowed religion, But more than anything, we've allowed the devil's plan to so, to so distort this plan. I told somebody, I believe even in the Christian circle, this plan is as odd as an old man standing on the side of the road in his boxer shorts with green hair. That's how odd this plan is to see today. Because we have bought in hook, line, and sinker to Satan's plan, even God's people. So this morning, my whole goal this morning is give you God's plan. Part two tonight will give you Satan's alternate plan. Then you decide which plan you want to follow. But this morning, I want you to know God's plan. Because in God's original plan, He had a plan of how He wanted to lead man. First of all, I want you to understand that God comes first... The Spirit of God that lives in man. That breathed into Adam. And he become a living soul. That day, the Spirit of God, when God wanted to speak to Adam, He would speak to the Spirit, communicate to the Spirit of God that lived in Adam. God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, God would speak to the Spirit of God that He had breathed 
into man. Let's give that spirit a name so we can better maybe bring it down to where we live and understand. Let's call the Spirit of God the master of the business. He's the master. He's the master. And God would come to the Spirit of God. You will not find where the Spirit of God told Adam what to do. He told the Spirit of God what he wanted Adam to do. Now this morning, well, well, we'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. So the Spirit of God communicates with God. God comes and the Spirit of God serves God. This is to whatever when God spoke to Adam, he spoke to the Spirit of God that he breathed into Adam that day. And as he would speak to him, then, then, the Spirit of God, the Master, would speak to the soul of man, the manager of the store. He's not the owner. He doesn't get to make the decisions. He's there to fulfill the wishes of the Master only. And the Spirit of God would speak to the soul of Adam. And the Spirit said, Adam, I want you to keep the garden. And when Eve come along, she's to help him. But Adam, the Spirit of God, told Adam's soul, I want you to keep the garden. That's what I want you to do. Now, and the soul then instructs the body to go tend the garden. And that is God's divine order. The soul is the center. It's a key. It is the soul where you think where you feel, where you make choices of what your body's going to do. I feel this way. I think this. This is what I believe. But where did you get the instructions from? Who's influencing that? And we'll talk more about that tonight. We find... All of a sudden, I went into a drugstore the other day. I've been drugstore a lot lately, too much. And I noticed on the wall there, and at the top of that wall, they had one picture of the pharmacy manager. Then down below it, they had other pictures of those that were assistant managers. And down below it, they had those that just worked in the pharmacy. I was thinking, that's exactly the way God does. That's exactly what God done in the very beginning. In the very beginning, God said, the Holy Spirit of God's going to be the master. And I'm going to tell him what I want done. And the soul is going to be the manager. I want him to give the body orders to get about doing what I want him to do. And so there has been God's divine order always has and always will be. And his responsibility, 
divides responsibilities. Just one is to carry the orders of the soul. And the soul's responsibility is to carry the orders of the Spirit of the living God that breathed into him. And that was God's divine order. I dare say, as a whole lot of you never heard just what I just preached in your entire life. And then we become the employee, the body just becomes the employees of what the Spirit of God said. That was God's original plan. And I don't know how long it functioned that way. I don't know how long they were in the garden. We really don't know. But I'll tell you this much, it was a perfect plan. And it worked exactly the way God wanted it to. The Bible says in the cool of the day, they would come down and he would meet with man. My good, it, it was a perfect, 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 perfect plan because it's God's plan. But then God does something. Not only is the management plan there, but there was a measured perimeter. Don't miss this. We see his freedom and his boundaries. The Bible says in Genesis 2.15, And the Lord took the man and put him into the garden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now listen. God never leaves us without a direction. From the very beginning, God gave a direction to Adam to perform. From the very, very beginning, Adam was to dress the garden. But from the beginning, God set a boundary for Adam. What he could do and what he couldn't do. Now, he had freedom to eat of every tree in the garden and after telling him his freedom, he gave him his boundary. You say, well, why in God's name? If he told him he could eat of every tree in the garden, why give him a boundary? Why do that? Well, here's the reason. Here's the reason. If you're giving someone freedom... Why come back with a boundary? Because freedom is measured by its boundaries. Freedom is measured by its boundaries. It seems contradictory, but it's really not. Because you see, real freedom is... Uh, We've come to believe that real freedom is without any boundaries. No, no, no. There's no such thing. And for instance, we got great freedom. We got great freedom to lead the church and drive to Hildebrand and go through Road Hills, North Carolina. I have great freedom to do that. Brother Anthony's going to be sitting right down there on the side of the road, and I got great freedom as long 
as long, as long as I stay in bounds. If I go through 70 miles an hour, I'm done. I not only lose the freedom, but I've broken a boundary. And if that speed limit's not there, how am I going to measure the freedom? God comes to Adam. And he says, Adam, he says, I'm going to give you freedom. You can have any tree, any place, anywhere you want to go. Now listen, Adam, here's the boundary. Don't you partake of that tree. I'll tell you why tonight that tree, maybe at the end of service, why that tree, that tree was the boundary. It wasn't just any tree, that tree. But you're going to find there's no freedom anywhere that does not have boundaries attached to it. Not none at all. Because then there's no freedom whatsoever. Listen, you bring a baby home. Isn't it amazing? You put it in a little box structure with very little freedom. It's got bars on it. It can sleep in it. It can eat in it. It can do a whole bunch of other stuff in it. And cry in it. But that's about all it can do in it. It gets a little older. That baby gets a little more freedom. It gets a bigger box. It's got a net around it. It can eat in it. It can sleep in it. It can play in it. It can still do a lot of the other stuff in it. But it's still about all he can do. He gets a little older. He has freedom to run the house. Now, you set boundaries. Okay, come here, honey. Get this, get this, this, uh, this, this fork and stick it in the outlet and say, I want you to have a buzz. We don't do that. We don't do that. Do we? No, no, we, we, we put boundaries up. We, we gonna, we gonna let you run the house now. Behold it. You can eat in the house. You can sleep in the house. But I'll tell you one thing. We're gonna stop the business, this other business, in the house. We got a special room for that. Gets a little older. Can I go outside? Yes, but you got to stay in the yard. You got to stay in the yard. Now don't you dig out of the yard. You got to stay in the yard. They get a little older. Can I go to somebody's house? Yeah, you can go to a friend's house. But just that house. And daddy drives by and sees you at somebody else's house. Guess what happens? You've just lost your freedom. You may end up back in the first box. Amen? <laughs> you just lost the freedom. You just lost the freedom. You know why? Because all freedom has a boundary. But what you don't understand, we, we, we have this ideal, we have this mentality that serving God is, is bondage. Oh no, don't you miss this. I'll show you tonight. Satan's once got bondage. God's just got boundaries. And inside those boundaries is great freedom. I, I've been up down this road, I bet you 50, 100 times. 
And not one time has Brother Anthony pulled in behind me and said, Preacher, you know, I just decided today I'm not going to give you that freedom to drive up and down the road. He may do it tomorrow, but he ain't done it so far. And I'm not going to give you the freedom to do that. Not, not one. He stood up his hand. And you know, every day I got that freedom as long as I stay within those boundaries. Some of you young people right now, you've never one time Ask God what He wants you to do with your life. Not one time. You tell me you're saved, but not one time have you ever considered His plan. You know why? Because you're hell-bent getting out of the boundaries. Hell-bent getting out of the boundaries. I'm going to go into class this evening. I'm going to rebel and show myself all you're doing is just showing you want out of boundaries and you're headed for bondage. Headed for bondage. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's great freedom in serving God and being in the boundaries. They're not there because He hates you. There's not a parent one puts up boundaries because you hate your child. And God doesn't put up boundaries because He hates us. That don't mean dad and mom, those stupid rules at, at home. And that preacher thinks he knows everything. Oh, no, no, no. It because I hate you. It's because I love you. Because I love you. See, devil's lie was simple. He said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die, but God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He's a liar and the father of it. God loved Adam and Eve. He created them. He was trying to keep destruction from them. There's God's measurement plan. And it's a measured perimeter. Then the, the motive's protection. But here's what Satan did. Satan come up, and I call it a monster plan because I'm telling you, Satan's alternate plan to all God's almighty plan was a very simple one. It was simply this. He said, God said, don't take the tree. Don't partake of the tree. Because it wasn't so much the fruit of that tree that was important. What it was is this. Satan wanted instead of the Spirit of God speaking to the soul of man, leading the body of man, Satan said, let me give you an outward, an external an external pressure targeted the soul of man that he would choose not to follow the Spirit of God. Satan's goal was a simple one. If I can get man to judge God's plan and take my plan, I'll get his soul. If I can get him to move from God's plan, and instead of allowing the Spirit of God to do the leading, I'm going to bring an outside force 
Now tonight I'm going to tell you what that outside force in great detail. But for this morning, it's an alternate plan. What you've got to understand is this. It's not in the fruit he pulled off the tree. It was in the fact it was a different plan than God had offered them that began to influence their soul. And what you've got to understand is they lost the freedom they had. It cost them the freedom of the garden. It cost them the freedom. It cost them the freedom of Eden. It cost them the freedom. God had no choice, but they had to go. It cost them the freedom become their bondage. All because they bought into Satan's alternate plan. I'll talk about this more tonight. Mom and Daddy, love you with every fiber of my being. If you only knew how much I prayed that you would get this. Because sometimes, as parents, we've bought into the devil's plan so much. And then we're trying to live, live a little bit of God's plan and a little bit of the devil's plan. And we're so frustrated and confused and conflicted on the inside of our own selves that when it comes for us to be the prudent God to lead our children, we're going to decide where they go, what they do, how they lead their life. Because we've not been successful in finding where the Spirit of God wants us to go and do. We've been successful over here getting a little bit of, of what the devil's offered and what God's offered. And we're so confused about where we're going we, we're, they're, they're, we, we can't lead them because we're not even following the plan ourselves. We, we don't even know the plan. And it, and it really gets even more frustrating and conflicted when we believe the Spirit of God has led us, but then when He leads us, we grab hold of the, the devil's plan and we try to mesh the two together. And the truth of the matter is they can never abide together. One will overpower the other. One will overpower the soul. One will have dominion in the soul of an individual. They two never come together. And join up to work together. Never hide. They can't. They're polar opposites. They're polar opposites. And we're on the verge of losing the generation because there's no adults that's, that's like the Spirit of God to lead them. And the Spirit saying, Soul, I want you to do this. And so saying to the body, this is what I want you to do because of the devil's plan. Can't wait tonight to share his plan. You'll understand how it all comes together. You'll understand. There's no uncertainty in his instructions. He didn't, he didn't stutter. He said, Adam, the day you partake of that tree, that tree... The magnitude of that tree was it was an alternate to God's plan. It's an alternate to God's plan. 
countless, countless thousands, thousands are making choices circling the same tree around and around and around and around with the same tears and the same heartbreak and never stopping long enough to hear God, the Holy Spirit, has a direction for you and never hearing it. So, I thought it's interesting. Satan attacked her I'll talk about that some more tonight as well. Isn't it amazing? She wasn't there when God told Adam what to do. She got second-hand information the best she can. And no doubt, no doubt Adam missed telling her everything in the story. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, so death passed upon all men. Here to this morning I come. But I come with just three questions. Number one. Does the Spirit of the living God live in you? I'm going to bust a bubble that so many people believe. There is no doubt in my mind in Genesis, God has given us original plan. And today, if you know not Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't miss this. God's not talking to you. There's no spirit there for him to communicate with. And the only prayer he'll hear is, God be merciful to me a sinner. Does the spirit of a living God... I didn't say that you was good. I don't care if you think you're so good that you got gold feathers and, and a halo. I ask you, does the spirit of the living God live in you? Can you go to a place in time when you recognize you was a sinner? God saves only sinners. God don't save good people. Good people's going to die and go to hell. God don't save church members. Church members going to die and go to hell. God saves sinners. You go to a place when you realize, God, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And you bowed at an old-fashioned altar where that altar's in your truck, in your car, beside your... I don't give a flip where it's at. Up a tree somewhere. It doesn't make no difference. You said, God, be merciful to me a sinner and save me. Deserve hell? Save me. And the Spirit of the living God moved in. If that's not ever happened, you're lost. You're lost, you're lost, you're lost. You can't get a direction from God. You can't get in on His plan. There's no, there's no spirit for Him to communicate with. Who's He going to talk to? Who's He going to tell? Who's He going to, who's He going to, who's He going to instruct? Who's He going to tell? Who's He going to talk to? There's no spirit for him to talk to. And then there's nothing to speak to your soul. I am convinced that's the reason why, folks, their lives are such a mess. 
They're just not really saved. Oh, they've been to church all their life, but they don't know Christ. There's no spirit of the living God. There's nothing on the inside saying, Soul, that's not right. Soul, that's not good. Soul, you will not do that. There's nothing that says, Soul, why are you doing that? Soul, why are you acting that way? Soul, soul. Why are you where you need to be? It's church time. So, I shine thee on the inside and say, So, you ought not be thinking about that, your brother, like that, or your sister. Someone on the inside says, So, you ought not be thinking about God that way. Does the Spirit of the living God live in you. If you died right now, do you know that you'd go to heaven? Please don't, don't, let me just throw away all the pretense this morning. I'm not even sure half the crowd in this church is saved. I know one. Just one. Just one. Just one. I know the Spirit of the living God lives in. We're playing church we're playing the games. We're showing ourselves. We're acting like a bunch of youngins half the time. And God's a fixing to come. And you're going to be left behind. Sitting on a church pew. And never know it's too late. I believe this morning, if you're lost, I'd run to an altar. But I also believe this. I believe... I know beyond a doubt, preacher, I know beyond a doubt and go to a place and go to a time when I bowed. I'm so thrilled that God loved me enough to come by a church pew at Iker's Grove Baptist Church and save a little 11-year-old nobody I'm so thrilled that he came by my way. But don't miss this. He can't get your soul for an eternity if you're saved. Don't miss this. When God saves you, you are saved for a time and eternity. You're birthed into the family of God. Will you like it or will you don't? But I'll tell you this much. He can lose control of that soul by allowing the devil's plan to have a place. And that's what he did to Adam and Eve. He got control of their soul that day. And he did it because the Spirit of the living God died in them that day. Now he came back. God was gracious to them. So don't be alarmed about them. But I'm going to tell you something. You can be saved this morning and lose control of your soul to Satan's plan. And you're allowing the outside influences. And we'll talk about them in great detail tonight. Here's my prayer. Here's my question. Simple one. Do you have a desire, a longing,
to allow the Lord to wreck your heart and life. I've learned this, if I've learned anything. It's not my job to make you or anyone live right or do right. And the truth of the matter is, we're not going to. That'll help some of your critical spirit. Ain't your job. Ain't your lot. And I'm not going to. But I got a question. Do you have a desire? Do you have a longing? Do you want God's plan for your life? Then Lord invite you to come. Lord invite you to come. If you're here this morning lost without Jesus, you can't find His plan. You'll never know His plan. You'll never know His plan. Only plan you get if you're lost is the one the devil offers. I'll tell you about it tonight if you're interested in it. But you'll never know God's plan. But this morning, if you're saved, if you're saved in the Spirit of the living God lives within you, do you have a longing? Do you have a desire to want His plan for your life? It's there. And God's no respect to a person. And God don't care about your failures. He don't care about your successes. God don't care about whether you're skinny or tall or fat or, or short. God don't care. He don't care if you're young or old. None of those things mean a thing. God's interested in one thing. Are you willing to allow the Spirit of God to one more time speak to your soul and then that soul speak to your body to do what, you, what He asks you to do? Do you have a longing? Do you have a desire? If you do, He invites you to come. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed.